Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Okay, good morning. Are you guys ready for the main point? Okay, so the main point is... What does it look like for Jesus to be your only hope? So I'm a big fan of uh, like different cultures and um, I'm a big fan of looking at over time how different cultures worshiped uh, their own gods and how I can see the parallels um, tracing down through history and how it brings us to current Uh, where we are now when you have people who are not worshiping Yahweh. So I want you to picture the Roman world when Jesus walked the earth. So they were a Hellenistic culture. They were polytheistic. Um, But the Jews, when they lived in that culture, they lived in two different kingdoms. They lived the kingdom of heaven, and they lived on earth. So there was like this dual nature going on where they were constantly torn between the pressures of their earthly kingdom encroaching on them. So some of the beliefs that the Hellenistic uh, Romans uh, practiced is they lived, or that the Jews experienced, was that they lived under aggressive pushing of other beliefs and practices, and to a degree were ostracized and separated And then in the most extreme cases, they were killed for their beliefs. Uh, They lived in a culture that worshiped multiple gods and idols. They were surrounded by sexual immorality of all kinds, witchcraft, divination, and child and human sacrifice. That still happens today. They experienced the exhaustion of day-to-day work, meeting the needs of the home, bills, what have you. And then they also experienced financial distress and even homelessness. So if you think about those things, a lot of those things are very present in our culture today. And so we're kind of like the Jews in the sense that we're also living in this dual headspace of in the kingdom and on earth. But when Christ began his ministry, um, a lot of the Jews were very excited. And as as, um, he became more known for his presence on earth, because you know, for a while there, Jesus was a little undercover. And um, as he became more aware, um, people began to think about, the Jews began to think about the prophecies and the teachings that they had heard about a coming Messiah to come and set them free. But at this time, they were reading scriptures And they were thinking that Christ was going to come and overthrow the Roman government. And so they were, like, super excited about that. And so at the time, the the title King of the Jews had both messianic and political implications. Kings in Israel were anointed with oil as a sign of God's choosing. And the meaning of Messiah is anointed one. And as the son of David, the Messiah was chosen by God to fulfill the Davidic covenant and rule on the throne in Jerusalem. And then you have um, this verse in Isaiah that talks about a king coming through the root and the line of Jesse. And you get him where he will judge the righteous. um, Or no, he will judge the needy. He will give justice 
Um, and he, but he will not judge by his eyes, by his ears. Basically, he's not going to judge like the earthly kings. And so they, they saw this picture of like, okay, so we have the root of Jesse, and then we have the line of David, and then we have a strong warrior coming up. And this guy's name is Christ. He calls himself Christ, so, you know, king of the Jews. And so they're all excited thinking that he's coming and he's going to overthrow the Roman government, but the only thing that Jesus had to say about the Roman government was pay your taxes. <laughs> and so you would think that that's a perfect lineup, and you would, like, their, their points, their beliefs, their anticipation was valid. And while these prophecies are true, Jesus will come, he will establish his government, the timing at which they were expecting those things was a little off. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but a lot of what Jesus brought was hope. Yes. So while he will establish his government, he first came to establish hope. And you can find a lot of these examples through the parables. You can find it through his Sermon on the Mount and various stories uh, within the New Testament. So Chapman University, which is a university out in California, they conducted a study where they found out the top 10 American worries of 2022, and I'm gonna read them. People worried about a corrupt government officials, people who I love becoming seriously ill, they were worried about nuclear global warfare, uh, they were worried about their loved ones dying, they were worried about pollution in the food and water systems, not having enough money for the future, economic or financial collapse, pollution in lakes, rivers, and oceans, and biological warfare. So it's safe to say that if you've been present and if you've tuned in at any point in time, all of these things, these um, worries, these fears are blasted on the news in front of you. They're blasted in the newspapers in front of you. They're blasted in conversations. They're blasted on social media. So it only makes sense that these would be the top 10 worries because you hear it everywhere. So what does it look like for us to be sustained by the Lord in our spirit. Okay, we have the Holy Spirit, so he's good. But what does it look like for us to be sustained by the Lord in our soul, where there's this constant tension of we're on the earth, we're a part of heaven, we're on the earth, we're part of heaven. What does it look like for the foundation to be Christ for you to return to when everything else has failed you, when there is financial collapse? when there is pollution in your food and your water systems? What does it look like to turn to the Lord and say, will you sustain me? How will you sustain me? I trust in you to sustain me. So I'm a big fan of ministering truth to myself, uh, biblical truth. It's not my own truth. Um, but to speak to my heart, say, heart, it's okay. I learned this thing one time where like, Sometimes if you have an emotion and you feel some type of way, like nervousness, um, sometimes that can be uh, excitement that doesn't know where to go. So like think of traveling. I know a lot of people sometimes get really nervous before they fly. I know I do. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, why am I nervous? And it's because I have this anxiousness that doesn't know where to go. So I say anxiousness, you're actually excited. Because I think about the trip, I'm like, I want to go have fun. And so I'm telling my soul how to respond to what I'm doing because I'm in control. 
But biblically, we can look at the example of King David in Psalms 42, where in this situation, David was like, oh my gosh, they're about to kill me. Okay, so he's literally stressing out. He's anxious because he's running from people who are trying to kill him. Okay, this is how David responds. He says, so I say to my soul, don't be discouraged. For I know my God will break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, he is my saving grace. So in this moment, David is speaking to his soul, and he's commanding it, do not be disturbed. He's saying, I know my God will break through for me. And then he's like, and when that happens, I know I will praise him. So I ask, where does your hope lie? And do you trust the Lord to take care of you? So Psalms 37 is one of my favorite psalms. And it's packed with a lot of good things. And I think I'm going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to drink some water first. So Psalms 37, it's called Rest in the Lord. It's the Psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out the wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth, and the Lord laughs at him. For he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the, sword and bent, drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy to slay those who are upright in, in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. Their bows will be broken. Better is the little of righteousness than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. That's you. <laughs> the Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the, line of, in the time of evil. This is my favorite part of this entire psalm. And in the days of famine, they will have abundance. In the days of famine, they will have abundance. 
But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke, and they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous, but the righteous is gracious and gives and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of the man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Um, and th there's a little note that says, um, the Lord will sustain him with his hand. I have seen young, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. For his descendants begging for bread all day long, he is gracious and lends and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good. You will abide forever, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice, the law of God in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in their hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. For the Lord, wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a violent and wicked man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, and he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright, for the man of peace will have posterity, but transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, and the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because, because they take refuge in him. So, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm going to unpack that a little bit. So, there's a lot of back and forth between, like, the evil are doing this, but God's going to do this, and the evil are plotting this, and, the God, and God's going to do this. But something that stands out to me is that multiple times it says, the righteous will inherit the land. You, because you are found in Christ, have the first claim to the land, now, it might be stolen from us for a time. If you look in biblical history, you have all these ites, the clans of the ites, who have taken the land, and God's sending the Israelites, and he's like, go take back your land. You will inherit the land, and that is really good news. But it is vital that as believers, we know where our truth comes from, and we know where to draw our hope from when everything else feels like it's in despair. This was not planned. 
when you can't pay your rent, when your car payment is weeks late, when you just lost your job and the holidays are in three weeks, when you had a loved one die and you hadn't made amends with them, what does that look like? When you have your mother and father and they've rejected you for X, Y reason, when you don't talk to your family, when you live states away from family, what does it look like to lean on Jesus? Earlier, Jake read out of Colossians 3, and I'm going to reread it, and it says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. That is why, that's where Christ sits enthroned in the place of all honor, power, and authority. Feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm. Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of this natural realm. So I give you that verse because that's the foundation at which we return to. But that's not me negating that you're struggling to pay your rent, that you're struggling to get your car payment, that your internet's about to be cut off, that you don't have food. Those things are real world problems. They're valid and they matter when you're going through them. A lot of times, I'm gonna go on a rant here because this was also not planned. A lot of times in Christian circles, in churches, they look at you and they say, oh, you don't have your bills met? You don't have enough faith. You're stressing out and you have to miss a Sunday so you can go to work to keep your lights on so your kids can have a hot bath? But yet, you're missing church. Do you really love the Lord? That's not me saying skip church, but that's me saying like, Jesus said in this life, you will have troubles. He also said, take peace. I've overcome these things. And so the things that we experience in this life, they're not invalid. They're real things. And you can feel whatever type of way you need to feel about them, but you also have to return to the foundation that is Christ. So in mine and Jake's life, Jake is like, ooh, let's just trust the Lord. Let's do all these fun things. And I'm like, can I catch my breath, please? And that's just how we work together. And it's been like that our entire relationship. And I would not trade it for the world. But Jake, as my husband, as a leader, and even as a friend, because I know some of you have experienced this, he constantly pulls me back to the foundation of Christ. He says, yeah, honey, like, we're going through these struggles, but, like, I need you to remember we're going to have a treasure in heaven. We are going to inherit the land. There is a reward set up for us. All of this toiling, all of this heartache, all of this tension of living within two kingdoms, it's not for naught. We're sowing into heavenly seed. That's why, that's why you can't see it sometimes because it's heavenly. 
but there's a reward that we will receive, and it will be a glorious day when that happens. I'm going to read Romans 8, because Romans 8 is also one of those things that kind of it's, it's another one of those building blocks in the foundation, if you will. Romans 8. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the eager waiting for eagerly waiting creation waits for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the glory, into the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now. And not only that, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons and daughters, the redemption of our body, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees, but we hope for what we do not see and through perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. I don't know if you guys have ever like persevered through something. A couple things I can think of is persevering through a job you hate, <laughs> persevering through a gym session that you also hate, persevering through an uncomfortable dinner on a first date. But with some of these things, perseverance, you keep pushing. You're like, I hate this job, but I love knowing that my family is taken care of. I don't want to do this workout, but it's going to make me strong. I don't like this first date, but it'll bring me one step closer to my spouse <laughs> in some circumstances. Perseverance is not something that we inherently have in our own, in our own soul. We don't have perseverance. We don't like hard things, um, especially in America. We are creatures of comfort. We like our comfy chairs and we like our air conditioner. But when it comes to perseverance in the kingdom, whew, man, that is a very, very hard thing to build on your own. You need community to build it. You need perspective as to why you're building it. But most importantly, you need the foundation. Why are we, why are we coming to church? Why do we separate ourselves from culture? And I can't answer that for you. I can answer it for myself. I can answer it for my family. But I want you, I'm giving you homework. I want you to ask yourselves, why do you continue to persevere within this walk with Christ? Because he's worth it. So, I'm almost done.
So in Revelation, um, there's a verse that just gives perspective. It's one of my favorite verses. Revelation is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, but when we are existing in this place, this, du this dual place of toiling on earth, I just want to take a break, and Lord, will you please come soon? I'm tired. We exist, and it's like this tension, and like that tension is really tiring. And yes, we can say, you know, we have these treasures that are built up for us, and we can ask the Lord to increase our perseverance. But I love what Revelation does, because Revelation paints, or this, this part, it paints this picture of what's to come, and it kind of paints the picture of the land that we will inherit, and it is so beautiful. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is the new heaven and the new earth that is not going to cry in birth pains. That's not going to have pollution in the water. That's not going to have people murdering other people. That's not going to have, not going to go there. That's not going to have the weightedness of the world. It's a new heaven and it's a new earth. And only we get that. The wicked do not get this. That should be the ultimate form of justice for you. They will never inherit this, but you will. And of course, you want to pray for them to inherit this. But I don't want to share my blessing with somebody who for the entirety of their life has blasphemed my God. Because correction... God does not send people to hell. People send themselves to hell, and it breaks God's heart when that has to happen. But his throne is built on righteousness and justice, and it's something that he's made within himself, and he can't break it. He can't go against himself. So the wicked will not inherit the land. So I'll continue. <laughs> A new then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first, first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. All who come to me, I will give the water of life without cost. That is Jesus. We have Jesus now. We have the Holy Spirit now. But, but one of the perks of, the, of inheriting the land is we get Jesus right here. We get to touch him. We get to walk with him. We get to sing with him. Whatever you like to do with Jesus on this earth now, you'll get to do it with him in the land that you've inherited because you're righteous in him. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. I will be their God and they will be my children. So I'm gonna close with the Sermon on the Mount because I want to fully paint this picture of what it looks like to exist in a world that is broken, to have troubles of your own, but to have your foundation, again, going back to that foundation, set upon Christ. Because if you think what is happening in the world is stressful now, biblically speaking, we are in only the birthing pains. We're in early contractions. We still have active labor to go through. <laughs> and so with that, I want you guys to, to take the Sermon on the Mount, what I'm about to read to you. Take it, type it up, print it out, whatever you, however your style is, and put it on your fridge, put it in your mirror, put it in your car, somewhere where you can look at it because these are the words of Jesus and he's speaking to, he's, he's speaking to the Jews who at the time were experiencing, you know, certain, like all the stressors of life that I listed in the beginning. He addressed those. He didn't just come and say, best of luck, um, there's salvation. He came to bring hope in another form. And so these words are very comforting when you're not doing the same things as your friends are doing because it goes against your biblical values. They bring comfort when you've decided to move to a developing nation for the sake of the gospel when you're at a job that you don't enjoy, but the Lord has planted you there because he cares about your coworker and their generational line to be in the kingdom. These are the things that I want you to hold on to while you're persevering on this earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, 
they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. It is such a blessing when you bless somebody who curses you. I'm telling you, it is a blessing like no other. You do not want to go through this life cursing people because they've done you wrong. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil words against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.